Turn to your Bible in Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1. Luke chapter 11 and verse number 1. As you're given there, I give honor to our bishop. Amen. He's not able to be here this morning. Ask the Lord to be with him. Amen. We're thankful for his great teaching in this adult class. Also thankful for our pastor. Amen. Praise God. If you've got Luke chapter 11, verse 1, say amen. And it came to pass that as he was praying, that's Jesus, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and for your many blessings in our lives. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts today as we open up the Word of God. We've come to lift up the name that's above every name, give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I want to talk about prayer this morning. Ran across this poem. It said, I got up early one morning and I rushed right into the day I had so much to accomplish that I didn't take time to pray ever been like that problems just tumbled about me and heavier came each task why doesn't God help me I wondered and he answered you didn't ask I wanted to see joy and beauty but the day toiled on gray and bleak I wondered why God didn't show me, and he said, but you didn't seek. I tried to come into God's presence. I used all my keys at the lock. God gently and lovingly chided, my child, you didn't knock. So I woke up this morning and paused before entering the day. I had so much to accomplish that I had to take time to pray. Amen. We here in America, probably our greatest curse is our busyness, amen, that we have and all of the distractions that are around us that hinder us from everything. But how many know the most important thing we can do is pray? Amen. Amen. We need to have a prayer life and we need to seek God with everything that's within us. Now, I don't want this uh, Bible study to be convicting, except just here at the beginning, if you're not praying, you need to pray. Amen. And we're all convicted. I'm convicted enough myself about not praying enough, right? We all get that conviction. And the reason why it is is because we know that we need to have that communication with our Creator. Amen. So I want to go to uh, Matthew chapter 6 and starting in verse number 5. This is part of this, what they call the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is um, teaching on all different types of talk, topics. But in verse 5, he says, and when thou prayest. And so here, just right off the bat, it's not if you pray, but it's when you pray. All right. When you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. 
Verily I say unto you that they have their reward. So let's just, you know, we look at this and we think, well, that's crazy, right? We should all think that's crazy that we just pray to be seen of men. The idea in our prayer is not to be seen of men, but to be heard of God. Amen. And so let's just get that right off the plate here. But I think that's so obvious. It's interesting, though, that it's in the scriptures that he says, don't pray to be seen of men. So if it's in here, then there's that tendency, if you will, for us to pray to be seen of men. It says, verily, I say, when you do that, when you come in and you're praying and everybody says, oh, he prays every service and and uh, man, he's just up there praying every service before every service. And, and uh, that's your reward, if that's all you've come to do, is to be seen of him. That's your reward. That's your pay. Reward means pay. We'll come across this here in a couple times. I'll talk about that in just a minute. But thou, when you pray, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret, Secret means concealed or private or even hidden or inwardly. He says, if you pray in secret, you shall be rewarded openly. So here we have this, uh, still we have this thing that's the natural and the spiritual, right? That we we can enter into a place. God, uh, we'll get into this in just a second, but God's everywhere. He's omnipresent, right? But we don't really see him with these natural eyes, right? Even though you can see him in all things. But we don't see him. He's something that has to be sought after. He's designed it that way. And he says when you do that, when we pray to the Father which is concealed or in private, he says he'll reward thee openly. The payday. There is a payday that's coming, church. We're in the world right now, but we're not of the world. Amen. But there is a payday that's coming. And we need to keep on keeping on. Amen. We need to keep on praying. We need to keep on seeking God. We need to keep on believing. Amen. Because there is coming a reward. There's going to come a payday. When Paul, in Acts chapter 17, he was on Mars Hill. He made this comment in verse 23. He says, as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription. To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. Verse 24, God that hath made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. And so we need to realize that God, he wants to dwell in the secret parts of our hearts, not in some object, not in some temple that we set up. Neither is he worshipped with man's hands as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Verse 27, that they should seek the Lord, if happily they may feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live, and we move, and we have our being. 
Amen. Paul's trying to get across to these people that, you know, God's not in an object. He's not just something that you're going to worship. He's not just something that you're going to find God in. You know, God is in this church. Amen. And um, if you heard our pastor preach this morning, man, that was a powerful message. Amen. And if you didn't hear, you need to do yourself a favor and stay for the second service after this because it's such a powerful service. But God is in the church. Hallelujah. And that's why people come in and they say, man, I felt the power of God. And, you know, my hands, the hairs on my arms stood up and everything. God is here and God moves in our place. But each and every one of us have to find God for ourselves. It's a personal relationship. Collectively, we come together as brothers and sisters, but you don't become saved by uh, just merely signing your name to the church uh, attendance list or church membership list here at East Wind Pentecostal Church. Amen. It's saved through the obedience to the word of God. And so we need to realize that Hebrews brings this out. But without faith, without this substance of things that are hoped for, and, and um, I'm just trying to bring out the fact that, you know, you're not always going to see everything materialize. You're going to pray sometimes, and it's not always going to be evident that it's going to uh, you be heard. But let me just assure you that it is heard. Hallelujah. And that he said that by faith, it's, without it, it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder. And there's that name again. In other words, to them that diligently seek him. Amen. This is something that we need to do diligently with our whole heart. Back to Matthew chapter 6, where it's in verse 7, he says, When you pray, don't use just vain repetitions. Of words as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard of their much speaking. It's not just vain, empty words, but it's something that comes from the heart. And that's what it's all about. And like I said, I don't want this to be uh, something that's a conviction for us, unless we do need to pray, of course. But I want it to be that when we go to prayer, we know that God has some certain things for us. Amen. He said, be not therefore, in verse 8, like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of even before you ask. Think about that. God already knows what you need before you come to him in prayer. And so that tells us what? That prayer is for us. It's for me and it's for you. Amen. Prayer is for us. And so he goes into the Lord's Prayer here in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. He said, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. So here in this first couple verses, we're finding one thing where we're going to the Lord and we're petitioning Lord to do a certain things in his kingdom, his will be done. And then it kind of shifts into verse 11 where it says, give us, where we're putting more of the emphasis on Lord, we need this. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is what we call the Lord's Prayer. Some people call it the Disciples' Prayer, but we all probably could quote this prayer, right? And it's good that we do, and, uh, but it's not just for to be repeated, but it's got some facts within it that I want to share with us this morning that helps us to know that when we go to prayer, hallelujah, it's, not ju- it's for us, and it does so much for us, amen, that uh, we, we should not ever not pray, amen. So verse 9, it says, Our Father, right off the bat, this gives us the personal relationship and also our relationships, uh, relationships we have with one another down here. Our Father, what makes us a part of the church is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Not that we've, like I said, signed a membership role, but what makes us part of the church is that He is our Father. Hallelujah. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 says, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Our relationship with the Father, it gives us access unto the things of God. Amen? Just like at your own home, if you're a father, if you're a good father and you have children, they have access to your house. They have access to uh, your refrigerator. They have access to your bank account usually too. So, <laughs> But they have access because they're your child. Amen? When we come to the Lord and we say, Our Father, hallelujah, it puts us in tune with the Heavenly Father that says, I give you access to all the treasures, to all the things that are in this Word of God. Hallelujah. And it also lets us know our relationship with one another. We are brothers and sisters here in the Lord. Amen. We are brothers. We're brothers. Just like a natural family, if it's a right-functioning natural family, uh, that we should love each other, get along with each other. Amen. Because of our relationship, with the Father. We're part of the family of God. But when we go to Him right off the bat, we need to say, Our Father, you're my God, you're my Father, you're my Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. It says, Which art in heaven. And this is important because we need to remember that God is in heaven. Hallelujah. And that it's not as we think of Him. But as he is, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So in the beginning, God has made man, the Bible tells us, in his image. And so we have to be careful that we don't create God just in our image. Amen. We need to not just think about God upon human terms. And I read a story um, not too long ago about uh, Thomas Jefferson, the third uh, president of the United States. And that said that he loved the teachings of the Bible and the morals of the best code of morals that he had 
had ever read and that was ever offered to man. But he also one time took a razor and he cut out all the miracles and the resurrection and the virgin out of his King James visor. And he went and cut out all these verses and, and the miracles, whether he believed in them or not or whether he was just trying to get to the moral code, I don't know. But by the time he was done, he had cut out the virgin birth, cut out the angels, cut out the miracles and the resurrection. And it resulted in a book entitled The Life and Morals of Jesus Christ. And some people commonly call it the Jefferson Bible. And so we find that when we think about that, we, you know, when I was reading it, I was gasping like, oh, you can't do that. You know, you can't remove the miracles out of the Bible. It's hard to imagine that. <clears throat> and in his defense, I don't know if they were ever supposed to be published. I think they found these um, notes of his after his death, and they put them into a book. And so to his defense, we don't know what the actual purpose of it was. But when we think about changing the Word of God or taking some out of the Word of God, amen, we've got to be very, very careful. But as I thought about it, you know, just like, Thomas Jefferson took scissors, and we could probably never imagine ourselves taking a razor blade or scissors and cutting up the Bible. At least I couldn't, amen. But we do it sometimes just mentally. We take out what we don't like, amen. Sometimes we just make it into a book of morals, and that's a dangerous place to be. We take out the miracles. We don't think God can move in our situation. And maybe for somebody else, but God can't move in my situation. That's where we say, our Father, which art in heaven. Hallelujah. You're all powerful. I want you to know that God can move in your situation. That God is a miracle-working God. Hallelujah. Because we read about it in the Word of God. And we've got to be careful. Hallelujah. That we just don't pick and choose the truth that are in here, the ones that we want to accept, and we can limit our own thinking of what God is able to do or willing to do in our own lives. Amen. We serve a big God. Matthew nineteen eighteen says, with men things are impossible, with God nothing. Everybody say nothing. No thing is impossible. You believe that? We're serving a God that can do all things. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, now unto him that is able... To do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. But it goes on to say, according to the power that worketh in us. We need to remember that we have a Father, a Heavenly Father that loves us. But He is in heaven. Hallelujah. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. But He's all-powerful. He can do all things. Hallelujah. Amen. And he says, hallowed be thy name. Of course, it means to worship the name. Hallelujah. And also it means to make known or to reveal the name. We pray, hallowed be thy name, Lord. We're asking him to make his name known. When Jesus was praying before his crucifixion, John chapter 17, Jesus prayed, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me 
out of the world. What name did he manifest? Jesus. Hallelujah. He said, O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that I, thou hast sent me. I have declared unto them thy name, and I will declare it, and the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Jesus in the flesh, as he was praying and trying to get the Lord's um, attention in all of this, he was praying, and one of his major things was that I have glorified thy name. I have brought thy name into the world. Or in other words, I have sanctified thy name or I hallowed thy name. This needs to be a part of our prayer that, Lord, your name would be made known in this world. Amen. How many know that Jesus is the answer for this world? Amen. In Matthew 28, verse 19, he says, Go ye into all the world, baptizing them in the name. What's the name? Jesus, the name of the, of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. In John chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name. What's the name? Jesus. And you received me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you were received. So, God is going to have his name to be hallowed in this world. Amen. And it's our prayer. It should be our prayer as we go to him and say, hallowed be thy name. It's not just worship. Of course, yes, we should worship the, the Lord. Amen. That's what we come when we, what we do when we come into the house of the Lord. We begin to worship God and to lift him up. Amen. But it's more than that. It's to take his name out into all the world and let his name be um, glorified. And so God is going to have his name to be hallowed. And sometimes he has to take it upon himself to do this and to bring it out to others. But I was thinking about the example of the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the miracle, right, that came into their lives was born in the fire, right? So we don't like that aspect of it. We want the miracle, but we don't want the fire, right? And the Lord was manifested in the fire. Shadrach and Meshach were answering the king, and it says, We're not careful to answer thee. This is found in Daniel chapter 3, um, verse 17. They were going to throw them into the fire because they refused to bow down and worship this image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they said, We're not going to do it. And it says in verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. One way or another, we're going to be delivered from you. Amen. But if not, we don't always know, right? Our ways are not our ways. But can you imagine what they felt like as they were, had to make this stand and how they had to stand for what is right? But there's coming a payday. There's a reward, amen, when we stand for righteousness. When we stand upon this word of God, folks, you'll never, ever go wrong. It may not seem right. It may not look right. It may not feel right. Hallelujah. But I'm thankful that we can stand upon the word of God. Hallelujah. And he says, but if not, he's going to deliver us out of thy hand. But be it known unto you that we will not serve thy gods 
nor worship the golden image that is set up. They had a determination in their minds. This was what was going to happen. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was a stoned, or it means he was um, surprised or he was um, astonished. And he rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men into the midst of the fire? This is in 324. And they answered and said unto the king, True, O Lord. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loosed walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And from um, and the form of the fourth is like unto the Son of God. God was manifested in the trial. He was manifested. God's name was, uh, was manifested in it. And in verse 28, then Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shagrat, Meshach, and Abednego. He had to praise the name of the Lord, amen, who has sent his angel to deliver his servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. And so Nebuchadnezzar says in 29, he says, Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, language, which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, shall be cut in pieces, their house shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. God wants to make his name known. Amen. Hallelujah. And the way he's going to do that is through his church. Hallelujah. Hallowed be thy name. And the payday in verse 30, and God and the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. In their captivity, they were promoted simply because they trusted in the Lord. Amen. And don't forget about Daniel. His, per, his whole reason for being thrown in the lion's den was because he prayed. In Daniel chapter 6, 18, it says, Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went for him. This is when they'd already cast Daniel in the into the lion's den, and the king was, didn't want it to happen, but he'd already made the decree. Amen. And in verse 19, it said, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a loud voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions. And so he is in recognizing thou God that thou service, the servant of the living God. The world knows that we serve God. Amen. The world knows. Those that are around you know that he that God is there. And so when you're going through the troubles and the trials of life, you just keep on being faithful to God. Hallelujah. Keep on going to him in prayer. Hallelujah. Because there's coming a, a payday. And Daniel answered and said, O king, live forever. My God has sent an angel and shut the lion's mouth that they did not hurt me. <clears throat> For as much as before him innocency was found in me and also before thee, O king, I have done no hurt. And the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that they should take him up out of the pit. 
when he was taken up, there was no hurt found on him because he believed in his God. And the king come in and they brought the others that were there and they threw them in the lion's den. The ones that accused Daniel and King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and language that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. He said, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble and fear before the God of David, Daniel. And as he, for he is the living God and steadfast forever and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be unto the end. And so we see here that God was made manifested in this trial and he delivered and rescued him out. And so Daniel in verse 28 prospered in the reign of Darius. Again, in captivity, he prospered. And folks, basically, we're in captivity in this world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Amen? But we can prosper. Hallelujah. And we can shine for the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallowed be thy name. We need to bring the name of God to this world like never before. Amen? Thy kingdom come is the next verse and or next request in verse number 10 of uh, Matthew chapter 6. Thy kingdom come, or in other words, God reign over everything. Luke chapter 4 verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You know, we hear if you, especially in this day and age, we hear a lot of prophecies. They talk about a new world order that's coming. The Antichrist kingdom setting up a new one world government and all this thing. But I would just like to say this, that the Lord Jesus Christ set up a new world order when he came to this earth. And he said, I have come, hallelujah, to set the captive free. Amen. Have you been set free by the power of Jesus Christ? I know that I have. He's come to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to the captives. Folks, when we begin to pray, thy kingdom come, Lord. Let your will be done. Thy kingdom come in this place, God. Let the power of the Holy Spirit touch the lives of each and every individual. Amen. Because that's what Jesus came to do. He preached the acceptable year of the Lord. John the Baptist, he baptized Jesus. And if you will, that's the end of one era before the kingdom, this kingdom that Jesus, and Jesus reps, represents the kingdom that is at hand. Hallelujah. Now, yes, we are going to heaven, and he's going to set up and establish an everlasting kingdom one of these days. But until that happens, folks, there is the kingdom of God that is at hand right here. It's not far from any of us. Hallelujah. We have access to it through our heavenly Father. Amen. And we need to pray that his kingdom come. And we can see that revival that he has for us. And to touch the lives and the hearts of our family and our friends. Hallelujah. It's so important that we pray thy kingdom come. He says in Mark chapter 1. Now after that John was put in prison. 
Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is at hand. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. That's what happens when the kingdom of God comes near unto us, folks. And even though we walk in the flesh, this flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Our weapons are not carnal. Amen? Our weapons aren't um, predicated on who wins the election on Tuesday. Amen? Our weapons are not a handgun that we can pick up and fight the battle. Amen? Our weapons are not anything else than the power of God. Amen? The mighty power of God pulling down strongholds, hallelujah, that come into our lives. Amen? And my goodness, it's such a power and a liberty to be able to have the power of God working in your lives. And so when we go to him in prayer, we activate that. And he says, you have access to this. Come into my presence. Hallelujah. We come into the house of God and we feel his presence. And there's a sense of liberty that we feel in this place. Because he's casting down imaginations. He's breaking down strongholds. Hallelujah. And everything that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And we are living in that day and hour today, aren't we? We are living um, about everything that's trying to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. But when we go back to praying, when we pray and we're seeking God, it's a constant reminder that God is on the throne. Hallelujah. He has everything under control. Amen. That he is able to do all things. It activates our faith. It increases our faith when we pray to him. Amen. And sometimes you're not going to feel God. You're not going to be able to feel after him. And you're not, you feel like your prayers are just going up to the ceiling. But I want to remind somebody that it is going to be a payday. Someday it's going to be worth it all. Hallelujah. You believe that? You believe it's going to be worth it all? This is God's new world order. He's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want you to know that you can be an overcomer. Hallelujah. I said, I want you to know that you can be an overcomer. Amen. There's some people that are probably here today that feel defeated and that feel like, you know, you just can't quite overcome. But the Bible tells us in his kingdom that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Matthew says to Peter, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus is saying to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates shall of hell shall not prevail against it. God is going to have a church. I don't care how bad it looks, how bleak it looks. Hallelujah. 
But we come to him, say, thy kingdom come, O Lord, because you are going to have a church. You just hold on to the church. Amen. Stay in the church. And Romans chapter 8, verse 37 says, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Praise God. We are more than conquerors, folks. You stay in the word of God. You pray to the king of kings and the Lord of gods. And you are going to be an overcomer. You're going to be a part of the church. And you're going to be more than a conqueror. Amen. Hallelujah. And he says, thy will be done as in heaven. In earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And I'll probably not get past this, but this is one of the most important things that I want us to really focus on today in this Bible study. Prayer is not about changing God. Prayer is about changing us. Amen. We read where Jesus went before the crucifixion in Matthew chapter 6 verse 39. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Amen. We, as we come to him, let thy will be done. Even Jesus in the flesh prayed this prayer. Amen. We know that it was right before his crucifixion. And he went into that garden and he prayed in agony. The Bible says, where his sweat was as of great drops of blood. Think about it. How much agony he was in the flesh against the spirit. And it hasn't changed, folks, down through the ages. It's still the flesh that we have and the spirit. And that's why we've got to find a place with God and say, not my will, Lord, not the will of the flesh. Hallelujah. This has so much helped me in my uh, personal prayer and coming against temptations and, or even in times of despair. If I can get to the Lord and say, God, not my will, but thy will, not what I want to do, but thy will be done. Let your will be accomplished, not the will of the flesh. And this what happens, it becomes liberating. We think of this as a, you know, oh, this is a sacrifice for us, but this is how God always works. It becomes something that becomes very liberating to us when we're be able to relinquish our will unto his will and say, I'm going to turn it over to you, God. Not as I will, not my, what I want. I want it. And like I said, we battle this. We all want, right? We all want our own thing. We all have our own ideas, and we all think that we know what's best. And even in our spiritual walk, we know how God needs to move in these situations. But God's ways are not always our ways, amen? But he does want us to come to him and say, not my will, but thy will. Thy will be done. And it's one of the greatest benefits that we can have when we begin to deny our own will It's when you actually become free. He says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying, take my yoke upon you. Let my will be done in your life. It's a burden that we see, but it's an easy burden, he says. To us in the natural, it says all this is such a sacrifice, and, and it'll, your flesh will tear you apart. But if you can make it to an altar, and it doesn't just have to be this altar, but an altar of prayer. If you can make it to an altar of prayer and pray this with sincerity, it's actual repentance, but pray with sincerity, God, not my will, but thy will be done. Hallelujah. You can find rest for your souls. And that's what the Holy Spirit is all about. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And it's the rest wherein the weary are caused to rest. So do you need the Holy Spirit? Of course you need the Holy Ghost. Amen. Because that's Christ in us. Hallelujah. And that's where we find that rest for our souls. This is the great exchange. And, but we have such a hard time doing it. And that's why you have to pray every day. You got to come to the Lord every day. You got to pray the prayer, Lord, not my will, not the will of this flesh. But your will be done. But this is the great exchange. We give him our will, and at the same time, we give him all of our problems, all of our troubles, all of our stress, everything that comes against us, amen, this great exchange. What are you fighting with today? That's the question I want to ask you. What is it that you're fighting with today, amen? I want you to know that if you will get in a place where you can say, Father, not my will, but your will, that problem, that situation will dissolve as a heaviness for your soul. Amen. I can't say everything will be worked out exactly how you want it, but I can say this, that God is fighting for you. Amen. And God wants you to know that you can find peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Oh, hallelujah. When we relinquished our will unto his will. In Jeremiah, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and seek. Ask for the old paths, whether is the good way, and walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk. Think about it. He said, I'm going to give you rest for your souls. They said, We will not walk therein. Verse 17 of that same chapter in Jeremiah 6, it says, Also I set a watchman over you, saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not hearken. Amen. The sound is going forth. And, and uh, I thank God for our pastor. Amen. The watchman that's on the wall that brings forth the word of God. And man, like I said, it's so powerful. And I'm so thankful that we serve a man of God that believes in the word of God, stands on the word of God, is going to tell us what the word of God says. It's not always what we want to hear, right? But it's saying, not my will, but thy will. Hallelujah. And we ought to be so thankful for the pastor of this church that comes before us and tells us what we need to hear. Amen. But it's still on us. They said, we will not hearken. Can't be forced upon us. But when we get into that place where we say, God, let thy will be done, we know that God is able to do a great work in our lives. And so we think about 
Paul, the apostle, and he was a great man of God, and he gave himself over to the Lord wholeheartedly. Amen. And I always think about that uh, incident in, in Acts chapter 27, and we don't have time to get into it all. But it's where Paul was uh, going to go to Rome. He was, a, he was a prisoner, and this was what he always said, I, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He never considered himself a prisoner of Rome. He was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And that's what happens when we say, not my will, but thy will be done. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter because I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And said, so, Lord, this must be your will. Amen. He said when he was in uh, Acts chapter 7, uh, 20, 70, they got on the boat and there was a big storm that come up. This was a big storm, folks. It wasn't a little way, right? If you read that, you'll find out it was a big storm. They had to throw everything out. They um, thought that all hope was going to be gone for them. They were in the storm of their life. And maybe you're in the storm of your life this morning. But I want you to know that if you're in the will of God, there's peace in the midst of the storm. Paul said this. He said he stood up before everybody in the midst of this storm. And he said, uh, I, there stood beside me this night an angel of God. I want you to know there's a revelation of God. And it said, the angel said to Paul, fear not, thou must be brought before Caesar. He's saying, don't fear, Paul. My perfect will is being performed in all of this. And I don't know what you're going through, but I want you to know that God's will, if we relinquish our will to him, no matter what it is, God's will will be performed. And he says, Sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. Think about it. How he was able in the midst of this terrible hurricane or whatever it was. They lost the boat. They survived. They swam the shore. And what happened? Paul reaches down to get some firewood. And a uh, venomous snake reaches up and bites his hand, right? Now, for me, I probably would have went over to the rocks on the side of the way. and said, God, I don't understand. I'm trying to live for you here. And I've been in a shipwreck. Now I got bit by a snake and I'm going to die. And so, but he didn't. We know that it was for a purpose. He shook the thing off in the fire and the people of the island saw that he should have died and he didn't die. And there was great revival. Hallelujah. But what I'm just trying to say that there was peace in the midst of Paul's storm. Amen. Because he was in the will of God. Not my will. We can get there easily. You can get there today. Just say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. God bless you. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Sorry, I went over a couple minutes. Let's just go to the Lord. Let's pray that the, we'll be able to relinquish, relinquish our will over to God. Amen. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the power of your word and that you're always with us, oh God. We love you. We believe in you. We trust in you, Lord. We know that you're able to do all things. And God, we come to you today and we pray, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Hallelujah. Let us give our lives to you wholeheartedly, Lord, because we know that there's peace in the midst of the storms. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.